So here in Shanghai, you're kind of always surrounded by concrete and glass and just man-made. There's not a lot of parks. There's not a lot of green around. There's some trees, but never really any green. But then, every now and then, you find a little spot here. Where you can just sit and relax and let the concreteness of the city fade into the background. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Griffy Z, and this is the As Yet Unnamed Podcast. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Fizi, and you are listening to the As Yet Unnamed podcast, a podcast just about basically what life is like here living in Shanghai for me, a foreign guy, I guess. So, we talk about kind of what I got up to the week, and I want to cover multiple subjects. I'm still kind of trying to establish what I do here in this podcast and what goes on. So, right now, but um, let's get into it. Let's go for it. So... First of all, I could probably say this is like episode two of the podcast, and we're already way off schedule. I'm like two weeks late in this thing. It's supposed to be every week on Tuesday, and yet I keep I just couldn't get around to it. I had computer issues as well. My, the guy who sold me my laptop here was just, it's not bad, and the laptop broke. I had to change it. It's a whole other story. I'll actually leave it for the next episode. But anyway, let's get into something more. So let's start off with a story that I'd like to talk about, which is, so in the last, last podcast, I mentioned that China has really got its kind of mobile payment solution really down with things. Um, they have like WeChat and Alipay and stuff, which is you can link your bank account and WeChat, which is a chat application, but it is also a, you can link your a credit card to it and a bank account to it and you can pay vendors like almost every little shop and restaurant accepts WeChat um, to pay via WeChat and you can also send money back and forth to your friends. It's an amazing solution and it's even, this. we have the same features of it in South Africa. I have no idea why we don't use it. Probably because so few like restaurants or anything accept it. But it has to be said, one of the, um, but Alipay as well as another thing, it's a dedicated payment app and you, almost everywhere can accept it and stuff. So it has to be said, for the last two weeks now, I've barely paid cash to anything. I've barely had to take my wallet out for everything. I just go into a store, convenience store, small restaurant, like little cafes or whatever, and just go to them and say in Chinese, you know, Nijia your no, Nijia Shou Jifu Bao, which basically means Jifu Bao is Alipay, and it basically means do you accept Alipay? And pretty much like 98% of them have said yes. It has been like the small street side vendor that I've had to say, oh, I need to pay cash for and stuff. So it's China has got their mobile payment solution, a cashless solution, really down. I mean, if there's one thing that China does seem to have an advantage of over everywhere, including the USA, when I was, and I've been to the USA, including the US, it's they're getting a cashless society organized and ready. I mean, even their train is... Um, it's cards that you use for the train, so no cash there. You do pay cash to fill up the card or whatever. So, but everything's mobile. So much stuff you can buy here on your mobile phone. You can order takeaway off your phone and have it paid for. You don't have to pay cash on delivery. So China's really got their mobile payment solutions down, and they're getting really well. They've really got it down with cashless. I mean, seriously, 
I mean, when I say that in the last two weeks, I've barely had to take out my wallet and pay cash for things. I've just been using my phone to pay to pay for things, like even the small things from the convenience store or whatever. So, yeah, so China has got their mobile payments down, down and I think if there's anything, there's not a lot of being here. Well, I can't say, I, I suppose maybe I shouldn't say anything too bad about China since I'm here and people are listening. Oh, okay, shh. Okay, but if there's one thing people can take from China that other countries should follow an example of, it is their mobile payment solution. It is Alipay and WeChat and WeChat Wallet specifically that they should look into. It's really, really well done. So, um, so that's their mobile payment solution. Moving on to the next subject, I would have to be saying. So, here's the thing. Even though Shanghai is one of the most international cities in China, Foreigners are still kind of seen, seen very rarely or of a novelty to some of the people here. Especially also if where I am in my area, it's a touristy area. It's a lot of tourists. And these you have to also keep in mind these tourists are not Western tourists. They're usually Asian tourists or Chinese tourists themselves, but from more rural areas. So they see foreigners and it's they've never seen a foreigner before. They've never seen a white guy or a black guy or someone who's not Chinese before. So when they see us, we're, we're seen as a very big novelty. And something you get here as a foreigner uh, is that every now and then you'll notice people on the train or in public or whatever trying to sneak a photo of you. They'll act like they're trying to take a picture of something else or they're trying to take a selfie. But you can see that the camera's pointed at you and stuff. And it's very obvious the person is taking a picture of you. Um, and I don't know, for me... It depends on who you talk to because the reaction to this varies by person by person. A lot of my friends that I know find it very annoying. Uh, many black people here find it very irritating because, I guess, let's just be blunt here, black people are seen even more as this kind of odd thing than normal, than white foreigners are seen as. So they, also, they get this at a much more higher degree and level of it. And so... Yeah, so for a while there, so depending on who you talk to, a lot of people, the reaction to this is very different. A lot of my friends find it irritating and they find, um, they don't like it. They think it's rude because it's pretty much invasion of privacy. People are just taking pictures of you without your permit, express permission or anything like that. I personally kind of find it funny. I think it's a novelty. I find it kind of a novelty myself to be treated as a novelty. I find it very funny that people see me on the train and go, oh, look, look, looky, looky, foreigner, and try and take a picture of me. Um, I think it's really just a kind of fun, funny little thing that goes on with, uh, with things, and I let it go. But what this builds up to is, so as a foreigner in China, a lot of tourists or the people you'll meet, um, people that encounter you, they see you, a non-Chinese person, and they kind of see this amazing thing, and they have this odd thing of taking pictures. But so the story I'm talking about that happened to me this um, last week or the week before, considering this podcast is so late, is that um, so I was heading to work, um, heading to work, and I was about to get into my train station, the entrance to the train station where I catch the train from to get to work, and I see a kid walking by, and a flyer comes out of his hand. Now they always hand off flyers on the train, and sometimes the kids collect them as a novelty or something, as a little like gimmick. I don't know, but the 
fly flew out of the kid's hand when a breeze came by. Um, the fly came out of the kid's hand. The hero was like, oh no, because the fly is flying away. So I quickly stopped. I picked up the fly and gave it back to the kid. And no, this is a Chinese kid. And his mother came up to me and was like, oh, th thank you, thank you. Well, she couldn't speak English, so it was mostly in Chinese, shishir, and also just through, you know, interactions that you could pick up what she was saying, trying to say to me. Um, so she came up and she was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you for this, whatever, like that. And then here comes the weirdest thing. Now, I have found, I have caught people trying to take pictures of me on the slide, but I have yet to have a person come up to me, Chinese people come up to me and say, can we take a picture with you? Because obviously you're a foreigner, you're something weird in this country. So she's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, can we take a picture with you? Can I take a picture of you with my kids? So I was like, yeah, okay. Um, most people, when I told other people about this, they're like, dude, why did you do that? That's so inappropriate for her. But I thought it was funny. I think that's funny. I think it's a hilarious interaction. And it's part of the experience of being here is that you know, this weird foreign thing that people kind of look at you and go, whoa. So yeah, so this mother sees me this far and I helps out a kid. And she's like, oh, can I take a picture of you? I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. So I let her take a picture of me uh, so and stuff. So she gets me together, she like groups her kids in, and it's quite funny because I think her kids were not interested, even though they're young kids, so they probably didn't know, they weren't like teenagers who were more worldly known and stuff. And they're like, no, we don't want to take a picture with this foreign guy, that's so embarrassing. But they like stood by and I just stood behind them and like smiled for the camera and had this picture. So yeah, so pretty much for the first time in the four months of being here living in Shanghai, I had someone actually come up to me and ask me to take a picture, if they could take a picture with me, of the, um, with me. So that was, uh, what, that was just a absolutely hilarious experience. Um, really, I thought it was funny. Afterwards, I told my coworker about it. He was like, "Dude, don't encourage that behavior. That's so that's so wrong. No, don't let them do that." But I think it's funny. It's funny for me to be looked at as a kind of novelty, as a thing. Um, you know, this, like, ooh, I haven't seen that before. Wow, click, take a picture of it. But as I said, it depends on who you talk to here. Other foreigners find it really um, really rude and very irritating that people take pictures of them or want to take pictures with them and stuff, and it's quite hilarious. So that's getting photographed as a foreigner in Shanghai and stuff. And let's move on now to, I guess, from photographs to food. Let's talk some food. So I've said in the first podcast there that I would love to talk about the food here, and I'd, but to get into it, I have to keep cover like each and every year, so one single subject and stuff. So here it goes. Here is the food section of the podcast in which I chat about some of the awesome food, the amazing Chinese food you can get here because the food is so rich, so diverse, and really great here. Um, so I'm just going to concentrate every each week. I think I'm just going to concentrate on one single like dish or style and chat, give a chat about it. And this week is going to be a chatting about probably one of my favorite foods here in Shanghai or in China, and that is the steamed bun, or as the China as it is called in Chinese, baozi, the bao baozi. And and what these is for those of you who don't know is, um, it's like a roll, but it's it hasn't been cooked in the oven, it's been steamed, so it's quite spongy, but it's also stuffed. It's a stuffed bun that has been cooked by 
Pihan by steaming it. And it is divine. And you get all kinds of different ones because it's stuffed, so you can get all kinds of different fillings for it, and it's amazing. And as with, like, just like pancakes or something, you do get sweet and savory stars of it. So you have these steamed buns with uh, things. And I have to, let me talk about my favorite ones. My favorite ones, there is a little boucher store, like a small little corner shop that sells it onto this, on the side of the street there um, by my place. And any time if I have some free time before, um, if I have a, some early time, if I'm early to head off to work, I will go there. I will stop in there and grab some boucher for lunch. And I always enjoy the joy of riding and um, eating on the train as I head to, walk, head to work. And so the ones I always get is on the savory side, I get what's called um, the Dang Huang Ro Bao. And what that translates to is egg, egg yolk and pork, um, pork meat uh, bun. And it's um, a bowl of like pork with egg, mixed with egg yolk stuffed into the steamed bun. And it is, oh. There's just a vine, there's a good amount of like, just a little good amount of like greasy fat in it when you bite into it. And it's just, it's so delicious and stuff. And after that, I then follow it up with some nice, sweet, some really nice, sweet um, buns, some sweet buns, sweet boucher, which is the Nai Huang Ro Bao, which is um, milk yellow, yellow milk bun. But it's, it's, it's a custard bun, essentially. It's, yeah, so it's a it's a steamed bun with custard and it's really nice but again you can get all kinds of different bouncer and it's you can get bouncer with like curry in it lamb pork beef chicken um like chicken and vegetables or vegetables and egg egg scrambled egg in it you can get this multiple things and it is it's one of the most iconic foods i would have to say coming here and it's probably one of also the most loved everyone loves bouncer I'm yet to find anyone who hates it, and it's because there's such a variety of bouncer that everyone has their own favorite kind, and everyone has their own their own little place. And it's difficult to hate bouncer because there's so much, many different ones and different stuffings and different fillings in them that you can't say you can't say that oh um I don't like them because there's one out there that you have to like. It's just, it's just there. That's how it goes. Yeah, that's Bouncer. Whew. Uh, yeah, that's Bouncer, um, and that's the food set. So I guess that, let's cancel that. That is the end of our food section for today, for this week. So from food, let's move on to something else. And it's something, like I said here, China's really got down its mobile payment solution and its cashless society and moving on to that. A part of that also is that China has some of the best like online buying you can like out there. There's a, I buy almost nothing from physical stores. A lot of the stuff I bought is buying online. I found a service called now China has two major online stores that you can buy from, um, Taobao and Tmall. The problem with a, with being a foreigner in China, if you want to order online and buy stuff online from these, is that there is no English option for them. They are both completely in Chinese. Now, the traditional way of doing it, and a lot of my friends do it still, is you have find some Chinese people used with um, maybe your Chinese friends or your Chinese co-workers, and you get them to help you buy stuff online whenever you need some help. But luckily, just as pure maybe coincidence or fate or whatever, but luckily for me, by the time I was, re I was 
settle nothing and had found my spot, my feet enough to be ordering online and to buy stuff online. A friend of mine sent me a link saying, hey, I found these new guys and it's really cool. It's a company called Bell Pulse. Now, I have no association with them, so I'm just mentioning them because I really love them and really love their service. But yeah, it's a company called Bell Pulse, and what it is is it's guys who have created their own website, and it provides an English front end to Bell Pulse and Timor. So you're still buying stuff off Bell, um, sorry, Taobao and Timor. So you're still buying stuff off of Taobao and Timor, but it's through a completely English website. Phone, no, I'm recording here. <laughs> But, so yeah, so it's buying completely through an online, and you're still buying through all the uh, ordering stuff and all that. So, that, hold on a second, I have to message my parents, they are trying to Skype me, so I just have to tell them that I'm busy recording a podcast for you lovely folks. Da, 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 da. Where are you? There you go. Hold on. Okay, mum. Sorry, just busy. Chat in a bit. There you go. I don't know how long this will take, so um, I'll just chat a bit. Leave it vague enough for the time for me to um, really get. Leave it vague enough for me to have some room to maneuver there. But yeah, so getting onto the subject, so with Bowpass you can order order online. And I bought a lot of stuff online. I bought, um, you know, bottles, some water bottles and stuff. Uh, I bought some gadgets here and there. I bought earphones, which I needed because I broke my earphones in like two months of being here. I bought some earphones. Um, got a backpack, um, which is really needed here, especially when it's coming, carting stuff back and forth from work and stuff. But last week was a real kind of example in the perils of ordering stuff online. Now, some of, one of the biggest issues you have when you order online, and this doesn't even apply to just China, it applies to everywhere, Amazon, eBay, all that, is that you don't really see the physical product and you don't get to see it, touch it, and feel it, and look at it up close. You don't know what you're kind of getting, really, until it arrives at your door. And this can be a major issue because, you know, you don't know the quality of the product. You can look at user ratings and stuff and they can give you an idea. But whatever. So this week, this past week, has been a real example to me in the issues of ordering stuff online and how it can be a bit of a problem. So I ordered a bunch of stuff online. So let's first start off with um, I have a neck, I have a necklace that I wear. Um, it has a pendant on it that has sentimental value to me. So I always wear it around. And the chain broke, so I needed to buy a new chain. So I looked online, saw a chain, was like, that looks good. Ordered it. Now here's again, you can't see the physical product. So, a couple days later, the product arrives at my door, I get it out, and I bring it out, and it's way too thick to be used. It's way too thick for me to use it for the purpose that I intended it to use. So, it's like, okay, so I guess I'll return it, but this thing costs, so this was so cheap, that it'll actually cost more to send it back. So, screw it, just keep it. Um, you know, so it was really cheap, not that cheap, but so cheap that justifying to have to pay to send it back to the supplier to get my cash back doesn't really make sense, and it's just whatever, so keep it. Anyway, buy another one, try and find a new one. And this again happened with t-shirts. I bought some t-shirts online, and of course, sizing in China is really bad, because you have a Chinese guys, you never know how the sizing works, especially as a European guy. The other thing is, 
I guess I have the height right because I'm, you know, kind of average. I'm short back home, but average height here in China. But I am very stocky. I'm wider than I guess your the usual a Asian body, this typical Asian body that these companies kind of make for. So when I uh, so when I bought a medium T-shirt, I needed to buy some T-shirts. So I bought some medium T-shirts online. And now I bought medium because I thought, oh, well, you know, back home I'm a medium. So I bought the, the, some T-shirts back home um, that were medium. So I bought some T-shirts that were medium size. They arrived, I put them on, and they're like skin tight. You can see like every detail of my upper body sticking through this shirt. So it's like, yeah, this is definitely too small. I'm going to have to order size up. And again, they were so cheap. They were really cheap shirts. So it didn't make sense. For me to for me to return them by paying for the packaging and stuff and all that so I just kept them and in fact I got a really great suggestion from my dad when I chatted and told him about this incident he was like eh, just keep them use them as like a as like a vest during the winter or as I use them as like little shirts for gym and stuff because I can get sweaty in them and just don't have to use them too much so I kept them ordered a larger size and that's been perfect so then there you go but Here's the thing, those shirts were one of five orders in one go. So I ordered five objects, five products. Out of those five, only really one was actually satisfactory to me that I didn't really return. So it was the shirts, two hats, and a straight razor. I wanted to get into the straight razor because I use a double razor, the old school like safety razor, but I saw a straight razor. I'm like, mmm, manly. I want to be manly, manly, man, and it looks cool, it looks like a badass. And I looked up videos and they're like, yeah, it'll give you the best shave you've ever had. And also, you know, I don't have to worry about finding blades and stuff wherever I am. One of the worries being here in China is can I find razor blades? Where will I find them and stuff? Although, again, the solution was just found by buying them online. I could just buy them online. All I had to do was just simple search. So my worries were there. But, okay, so this razor arrives, this straight razor arrives. And it's supposed to be a whole kit. And so you have the straight razor itself. Which didn't look too bad initially. I was like, okay. But then the strop, with the strop now is that leather strap. When you, if you've ever seen like the barber that has it, and you see them like on the leather strap, they have that leather strap that they grab and they keep taut and they pull the razor back and forth on it. That's called a strop, and it's to keep the razor really um, sharp. Now, a really good strop to have a proper strop, so you can keep the razor sharp. You need a proper leather strop. And in the images on the product page that I saw of it, that's what it looked like. It looked like a really good, high-quality strop. So I bought it, bought it, and then it arrives in the kit, and out comes the strop, and it's cheap, fake plastic leather. You can see it's just cheap shit. It looks nothing like the image that was in the product page or, what, or not anything like that. So there's that already. Then the brush itself, the brush for shaving, the shaving brush to put to apply the shaving cream on, it is so bad. It is not a. It is just useless. It is horrible. It is painful. It was like taking freaking twigs to your face. It was just painful and uncomfortable. But anyway, I tried to have a shave with it. I like strop up the blade, really try, and I'm not kidding. It probably gives me the worst shave I have ever had. Just so bad, razor burn all over my neck. Like, you could actually visibly see it. My neck was just completely irritated. You could see it. It was so bad. Oh, yeah, I just, I'm cringing just thinking about how, just remembering how bad that shave was. 
So again, I think, so I'm like, okay, okay. I wait a few days, I give it a few days, you know, and stuff. And I try and sharpen the blade itself. I have a sharpening, I have a whetstone that I use to sharpen up my cleaver that I use for cooking on the rare occasion that I cook here, um, because you mostly eat out. So I sharpen up the blade, try it again, and the blade's now even worse. It's still bad. The blade is just bad itself. The blade is bad itself. So I try and strop it up again, really try and sharpen it, and the stropping actually makes the blade blunter. And I know this because I started off, and the blade was still bad. Stropped it, and the blade got worse. The blade actually got even worse. I couldn't believe it. So, so there's that. And then, while I'm shaving, I accidentally drop the blade. I dropped the blade by the floor or something like that. Luckily, I didn't hit any toes or anything like that, because that could have taken some toes off. But I drop the blade, and I pick it up, and the freaking metal has, like, sheared off, has, like, bent and broken off, and, like, a good chunk of the blade. There is no way a proper, well-made razor blade does that from, like, a single draw. So I'm just, I'm tr I've tried to make the best of the situation. I was like, hell no. Put it back in the box, sent, went to the Bypass support. Bypass support guys have been awesome, and said to them, I want to return this product. It is not what it's promised to me. It is nothing. I want my money back for it. And they said, sure. Send us some pictures so we can send it back to the supplier. Pack it up, send it through. It'll cost you like 10, 10 yuan, and um, we will get you your money back. And to their credit, that's exactly what happened. But like I was saying, said, that was not the only product that was an issue. Besides that and the T-shirts, I also ordered two caps. Now, out of the two caps, the one cap, I guess, looked, didn't look like exactly like what I thought I was buying on the product page. So I was kind of disappointed, but it was good enough for me to keep. The other cap, however, looked nothing like it. It, it was a Lincoln Park cap, and it looked really nice in the pictures. And then I got it, and it was like a trucker hat. It was just so big, it looked completely stupidly ridiculous on my head. It gave me like 10 inches of height. I added ten, 5 inches of height into my head just from this hat. It looked ridiculous. I sent pictures of them with me with me in the hat. I decided to be humorous and just mm, looking really sad in the pictures. Um, and just said to them, this hat does not look like what I was promised in the product I promised and stuff. I'd also like to return this. And again, they said, cool, pack it up, send it, and we'll get your money back. And my hat's off to uh, Bow Pals there. They really pulled through. And once the packages got back to the um, original sellers, Bow Pals um, was ma managed to get a refund for me and gave me my money back. But... That week stood in lesson for me, uh, and stood in lesson of me, and hopefully for less of you to discuss, and that is that there is a peril to online shopping. As convenient as it is, as great as it is, because you can really find it cheap compared to physical stores, and it gets a little bit right to your front door, there is the peril that you don't see the product in your hand. You can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't really get a look at it for it, and what you'll be getting. So you'll only know what you're getting when it arrives. And I got taught that big time the, uh, last week when that happened. Whew. All right, so I think we should we should finish this off with a quick talk about what I really got up to this week, which was the main highlight of the week, which was I visited the UUN Gardens in here in Shanghai. And now, for those of you who don't know, I keep using that for those of you who don't know. Well, anyway, what the UUN Gardens is, it is a garden, a pretty serene, beautiful, well-kept, traditional Chinese garden that has been kept and maintained for over 450 years. 
in around 1550, no, 1450, it was started, no, not 1450, 15, well, anyway, it's over 450 years, old. 450 years ago, over 450 years ago, it was commissioned by some aristocrat, not the Chinese emperor or anything, but a, an aristocrat here, built up and everything like that, and has seen a lot of actual history. Um, the small dagger society had their headquarters in it, and the there was the Boxer Revolution um, put there, put in there, and like many of the buildings there have been damaged and restored over these things. And these are really historical events that have seen decades and decades and decades ago that happened, and this garden has seen them coming. I mean, this garden, let's be honest, this garden has seen French colonialism, British colonialism, revolutions, the Cultural Revolution, Mao Zedong's China and modern China happen all around it and sometimes even within it. So it's an amazingly historical place. But more than that, I guess, for someone who's visiting, just the immediate impression that you get in there, going in there, is that here in Shanghai, which is just a city of concrete and glass, and there's a buildings here and there's trees here and there and a few plants here and there, Unlike America or London, say, there's no real public parks, or if there, are, if there are parks, you need to pay for them, and they're kind of few and far between. So there's not, there's like almost no green in the city, and you get a kind of disconnect from nature being here. But the Yuan Gardens provides a kind of real tranquil, provided a really tranquil, relaxing setting in that, you know, it's just green, and you get in there, and you can hear nature around you, there's a lot of water features and um, small streams happening around. There's some beautiful Chinese architecture, a lot of like little pagodas and things for where um, in the past other um, Chinese aristocrats could have hung around in the gardens and relaxed and maybe get out of the heat. And then stayed in a bit of shade um, and met um, in more historical events. have been meeting places for guys who are organizing revolutions or protests. And... But today, it's a great place to just go and kind of escape the concrete jungle that is Shanghai. It is a small green spot in like a sea of grey concrete. And it's just great to go and sit there and kind of be surrounded with nature. And it's just going there, you realize how much you do miss nature and plants and natural things being around you, natural living things being around you as a human being. And it's a great little respite from the city. It's great to go go there. The sounds of the city kind of fade into the background, and you have the wind blowing and blowing as the leaves and the trees. You have the koi swimming around in the ponds there, and you have birds singing in the trees. So you can really just zen out and relax there and stuff. And I definitely have to say that I will have to be going there again because I have to go there again because I think I didn't really fully breathe it in or appreciate it while I was there. I went there and I was too busy trying to film. I had my camera out the whole time taking pictures of myself, trying to document my trip here, but also videoing and stuff, trying to make a vlog of it and all that. So I think I was just too caught up in trying to video things and vlog and stuff to really just slow down, stop and just be in the moment, just be, be there physically and all that. And while, while talking about that, I should say, that um, coming up very soon after this vlog should go up, um, go to my YouTube channel. I will leave a link in my, the description of this podcast that you can go so you can find my YouTube channel there. But the um, the UUN Garden, Garden vlog should be up very soon after this podcast. Uh, I will be um, still working on it, but it will come up soon. 
and you can see more of it and you can see exactly what I'm talking about through a visual medium rather than this audio medium that is this podcast. But believe me, beautiful green trees, amazing old school Chinese traditional architecture, absolutely awe-inspiring, amazing, lovely place to visit. I definitely want to be going there again. And also something I did before and after because I did make a mistake in terms of going before it. But something you can also visit is the city temple, which is right next door to it. And I do suggest you do that. And it, what it is, it is a working Buddhist temple to the city gods, I guess, or the gods of the city um, or for the city of Shanghai. And when I say working, I mean that you're, it's really weird because you're sitting there as a tourist, you know, with your camera out, taking pictures, going, ooh, look at that, ooh, look at that. Meanwhile, there are local citizens coming in, coming in and praying to their gods. They, they come in, you're sitting there looking at the statues of the Buddhas and going, ooh. Meanwhile, some guy walks past you, kneels down on the cushions that are splayed out in front of them and like does his prayers to the city gods. So it is a really odd situation being there kind of awkward and stuff. But I did get through it. I did enjoy it. It is quite an amazing experience. And to finish off this wonderful kind of relaxing experience, I went into a tea house in the City God Temple and had a lovely bit of jasmine tea. Um, it was really expensive. You know, it was, um, I think, 50 yuan. It's a really expensive teacup of tea, it has to be said. But definitely worth every cent going into what seemed to be a rather traditional, nice little tea, tea house. And sitting there, just having a hectic day of running around, taking pictures, making videos, and trying to trying to relax, like trying to relax. Got to, you know, really worked hard trying to relax. Um, but it was nice to actually just sit down and enjoy a lovely cup of tea. And jasmine tea is actually quite wonderful. I think that was the first time I've ever tried jasmine tea, but it was very divine. Whew. So, yeah. So, that's what I got up to this week. Uh, I didn't pay, barely paid any cash for anything. I got photographed because I was a, not a Chinese guy, I was a foreigner here in China. Um, lady wanted to photograph me, ate some balsa and told you guys about some balsa uh, and uh, enjoy, and uh, learned about the learned firsthand about the perils of buying stuff online. And of course, the highlight of the week being visiting the beautiful Yuyuan Gardens here in Shanghai, these ancient, lovely and relaxing spots. So, I hope you enjoyed the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I will see you next week in the next episode. And I will leave you with the Chinese word of the week. Zai Jian. Goodbye. Live it up, live it up.